hey hey and welcome back to thoughts from the 305 i'm your host and this week we're shifting gears a bit now we've talked about community organizing mental health and a few other things this time we're going down the rabbit hole of education yep that's right we're talking education this week i also have the honor of starting off this conversation with two people that i deeply respect and admire folks that have had their fair share of experience in the k-12 educational space Please introduce yourselves to the audience. Alright, I'm Vicky Rosco. Um, I'm a music teacher in the K-12 setting. I've taught from kindergarten to 12th grade um, in the classroom setting. It's been quite the ride. Bless her heart. And every single grade has been a very different adventure. Toy. My name is Jorge Padron. I'm also a K-12 teacher. I was a... Uh, high school teacher for a little under six years and then I also taught elementary school for three years. Been a, I agree, it's been quite quite an experience. Bless your hearts, bless them all, because if I had to work with middle schoolers, I'd pluck my eyes out. I don't, I don't need them. I mean, it feels like demonic possession at that age. Is it not? Have y'all seen no, it? they're the best. Okay. I love middle school kids, middle honestly. School. But I hear that a lot. I mean, the hormones, the hormones. You've experienced it, you've seen it. On the, it's, it's, it could be a very interesting age. So, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about... Well, actually, specifically, this conversation is going to go into the role the arts play within the educational setting and some of the not-so-great things that have been happening over the past uh, decade, more than a decade, um, with music um, being pulled out of schools. And so, what... Am, and... and, and down here, I work with several organizations. They're great organizations that um, introduce and expose youth to, to different uh, musical styles, music production, and whatnot. But, you know, with us, we, we spend a lot of time in that musical space in the educational setting. And I don't know about y'all, but for me, as a latchkey kid, music shaped my life. So I want to know a lot, like, how have you... Like, as a, an educator, how have you seen the shifts of music in schools? Um, and what are your thoughts on the way that things are going through uh, going right now? Man, it's rough. Um, mm, that's why I told y'all to bring alcohol. <laughs> I'll start by saying that I, I guess, you know, obviously, like, we, we, had, a really, we had a really good band program um, in high school. And I feel like being in that world we saw all the other schools that had really good band programs and I don't think I realized that schools were missing because I didn't have like a directory of schools for Miami-Dade County Public Schools so I just kind of was like oh this is cool like everyone has a band um and then leaving undergrad and looking for jobs and realizing that a lot of schools didn't have bands um and that they barely had general music in the first place that was really weird for me I was just like what is happening and why um like finding out that the middle school that was supposed to feed into the high school that I worked mm. at didn't have music. Mm. I was like, what else are they doing and why? And you know, it was just like, there's no money, there's no one to do it, there's no time in the schedule. Because kids now are doing way more intense things. Mm. You know, like they're learning to code in like eighth grade or whatever. Um, which I guess is cool, you know, if that's what you're into, but I think that there should be options. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was kind of heartbreaking. Um, because yeah, from sixth grade to twelfth grade, that's all I did. Like I was the drummer girl. Like that's how everybody who didn't actually know me knew me at school. It was like, oh, you're the drummer girl. You're the girl on the drum line. Um, so it was really weird to think that like somewhere out there, there's a kid who would want to be the drummer girl or the drummer boy, and they don't have that opportunity. And she wasn't just the drummer girl or drummer boy. I'm, I'm, I need y'all to, 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 to understand that these are two fantastic musicians that I got speaking with. So when I say talk about music, I am like at the basic level at this point. I'm talking to like professionals over here. So I just want to put that out there. All right. Baby professional. Like, I just babysit kids. Sh shut the hell up. <laughs> this guy was playing like concertos or in, in, in high school. And, I, and you're just like, okay, I'm not doing anything with my life. George, your thoughts? I, uh, I agree. I, I, I look at it in two ways. One, I look at it from when I was a student, and I remember that being my biggest social circle. And, you know, the landscape of music in classrooms has changed since the early 2000s, so it's not quite even what it was then, but we're talking about a time when, you know, 
No Child Left Behind had just started in, in Dade County and, and you know, in the country as a whole, um, versus when I was a teacher, which was a different kind of paradigm. As a student, I agree that you don't get a really very exhaustive look at all the music programs in the county. Like, I didn't even know that string programs existed until Ronnie, my friend uh, from high school, ended up going and auditioning at uh, Greater Miami Youth Symphony. Like, I had no idea that that was a thing, and schools had like, string programs. Um, because I feel like schools are very insular worlds for kids, uh, given the way the district is laid out. You know, kids kind of live in a, whether they live and go to the school in their neighborhood, it's a different story, but they kind of live within the confines of that school and you don't really interact, unless you do like sports, you really don't interact, I think, too much with other schools and you certainly don't get a sense for what life is in those other schools. There's very little um, uh, like dialogue between students of different schools. But as a teacher, you know, I would agree that there are far, this is, a, this is a little bit of a controversial opinion, but I would agree that there are far too many programs to tell kids what they should be doing at ages when kids should not be deciding what they should be doing, mm. in my opinion. So, you know, what has led it be, it, I haven't, I admit that I haven't read like a ton of research into the major declines of music ed in Dade County, but I would wager that No Child Left Behind plays a big role because schools were forced to uh, remediate children that weren't um, passing math or, or reading or, or ELA classes. And also, you get the big, big push to charterize education. Schools that weren't doing well suddenly found charters across the street that were offering all these courses. But uh, at the end of the day, what that means is that a, an administrator needs to make some tough choices about what programs to choose to fund. And, you know, if it's cheaper to scrap that, music program and get those kids to take another class that might make you know the school's passing rate look better and I, I kind of I kind of sympathize with that now as a teacher I think what really has solidified my my opinions on why there's not a lot of music in the classroom it's it's that it's that there are too many schools that pull kids away and so you just don't have the numbers to sustain programs not full-time programs right you have programs where teachers are put on part-time and then eventually it's like a death by attrition. The teachers goes from full-time to part-time, teachers are less, in, less inclined to take that job. The job goes to something that, you know, maybe a recent college grad will take for a short amount of time and eventually it will go away. I, I but that's my anecdotal opinion. It's not really something that I, I'm not. I mean, I'm going to second that, that there's, that there's too many schools kind of telling kids what they should do or trying to kind of align them to well, why don't you come here for this magnet so you can go work in mm. IT? Because that's a sector with a lot of money. Yeah. Why don't you come here and do our dual enrollment so you can be part of the nursing program? And like, not that these things aren't great, um, you know, but there are choices that they could also be making at the community college level. They could be making those choices, you know, much later. Um, I think that parents jump onto those ideas and they, you know, maybe talk with their kids and convince them to do those things or even the kids might pick up on it early enough that, you know, maybe my family doesn't have enough to send me to college and if I start doing this stuff in high yeah. school, I'll be halfway done yeah. and, you know, I'll figure it out and and all of the arts go, go to the wayside. It's not just music. I, I think that the arts entirely just go to the wayside. Um, and then it's it's kind of heartbreaking for the few kids that that do want to do music but they feel like they have to choose mm. um, but I do have like uh, you know I, I do have a memory of having like the greatest saxophone player in the school he was like the alto sax player and he just could like he could just read anything you threw in front of him and it was like oh man you know you could you could probably get into a good music school or um, you know you could probably be taking lessons on the side just to get better and you could be in like a youth symphony or or something like Greater Miami Symphonic Band or something like that. And for him it was just like, yeah, but I'm not gonna do this in college, so I think I'll probably end up, you know, putting my sax away. And then that always makes me think of all the people who are like, well, I used to play in the band. And I'm like, that's one of the most heartbreaking sentences adults say to me. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I agree with it's because they, early on in high school, they're told you should go do this other thing instead. And that's those very very thank you then thank y'all those are very interesting points because now that I think about it one big push that we've been making um, <clears throat> is exposing youth to more dual enrollment programs especially youth that won't qualify 
for the tuition waiver because um, youth that are, and I work with youth in foster care and if you meet certain criteria you get a tuition waiver that you can use for 10 years um, but because folks get reunified and it's, it's the irony is it's great news you know most a lot of the times it's great news that you went back to your family but then it also reduces your access to to higher education um, but now bringing in this perspective that if they do more to address like the, the academic outcomes and um, try to do, you know do a launch towards their you know productive quote unquote um, contributing to society job the arts have to take a back seat um, and we had an, uh, an episode where we talked about why the youth voice is important you bring up a different another point is that they're being it's not as an adult i never thought it's like oh yeah no i mean maybe they'll want to it's like you know i have plenty of youth that come and they're like oh yeah i want to do the arts and whatnot because you know having had that experience i know what needs to happen in order for them to get the finances because you know really great art programs are expensive as hell but then you have like state programs that are you know they're great people just don't know about them so yeah makes me think so like how would y'all um because incorporating the youth voice is important in community organizing and with y'all have worked in miami-dade county public schools does the district value and you know and I've, I've heard of the you know the token student that always goes to the school board meetings it's like yeah we have the students here and i was like okay you know the student that has the aspirations of becoming a politician that's great but how would we incorporate more of that youth voice um, in the public school setting, when you have this giant system, you know, Miami-Dade is the, the fourth largest school district, and this could be, you know, something, the conversation that is applicable across the United States, like, how do you incorporate the youth voice to talk about having all these responsibilities shoved down their throat when they're um, developing and they just really want to, you know, they want to fit, they're still figuring things out, because I have plenty of youth that are like, oh yeah, no, I want to be pre-man, it's like, you're a junior in high school, and have to be like, hey, you know, you're gonna change your major about like six times, and it's okay. It's okay. But like, how do you incorporate the youth voice in in the public school setting if that's even possible? I mean, my guess is that you know we'd have to have. This sounds weird the way that I'm gonna say it, but we'd have to have more updated counseling. Mm. I feel like the counselors need to kind of be modernized. Mm. I feel like old school and, and just kind of keeping there this is how we do it this is the way the system works and that kind of thing um, and so it's not a lot of you know scholar voice or, or kids voice um, it's not a lot of like oh here's like I'm saying to you I want to do this right it's the counselor responding with okay but and kind of laying out maybe the negatives first or something like that yeah. um, or presenting like other options right being like oh cool you could go to this program but also maybe try this instead and whatever and then you know, I feel like being a first-generation like student, being a first-generation American in the public school system, my counselors always told my parents that I should do something that was music. Like they consistently were like, yeah, but it's a very hard thing to get into. It's a very hard thing to whatever, like it's gonna cost a lot of money and you might not be able to finish and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, and so it was always kind of like, do you have any other interests, right? And so then I think as soon as the kid starts realizing like, well, no, but I also like astronomy. I also like math. I also like whatever. They're like, well, I guess I should choose one of those. And if the counselor says nicer things about that, then that's probably the route I should take. And that's kind of what happened with me. Like I told my counselor in high school that I really liked astronomy, that I really liked science. And they're like, well, why don't you start applying to programs that have that and you try that out and see if you like it and they were way more open to the idea that I would try out some kind of science program like it and stick to it right. than the idea that I would try out a music program so I think like it would be like from the ground up like the counseling has to get modernized and it has to be to where they really consider what the kids are into doing and not just like what's going to make them money I was going to say mentoring for students is really bad guidance is really bad a lot of you know I've, I've only worked in two high schools but both of those high schools they treated the 
oh, you know, the college reps that come to schools and yeah. like, you know, come look at UF, here's all the stuff yeah. that we're going to show you. They treat those people like gods. And like, like, it was almost a little creepy to me because mm. I always told students when, when they were going to leave for that, I said, just remember when you walk into that room, they're going to treat you like they really care about you. Mm. You're money to those schools. Mm. Like you're, 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 consumable good to them. Right? Yeah. They need you and they're going to use you for that end. You're just never going to hear anybody talk to you about that because, you know, on the one hand, we've, we've kind of developed into a society that really values a traditional college education because yeah. uh, countless sociological studies have found that, uh, you know, getting four years of school has a remarkable impact of, of, of earnings throughout your life. And, and that's absolutely true. I also think that that's really missing the greater broader picture which is that school is not really the right choice for everyone right. um, not even four-year school is the right choice for everyone and yeah. so I agree that counselors are very quick to suggest what I don't want to say what's popular because it's not strictly true but, but they they well they tend to fixate a lot on you know we, we love our college acceptance rates. That's what parents care <laughs> oh. about to send kids to our school, right? Oh my gosh, so, yes. let's push kids to go, to go to school. And it's like, maybe that kid doesn't necessarily need to go to that school. Or maybe that kid really wants to do that. And then, on the other hand, and you know, the, I agree with the grassroots perspective. I think the other problem is that we need to get people to value things that aren't traditional STEM jobs. Mm. Every kid is told you need to be an engineer, you need to be a, a my best friends are all like STEMI nerds. And like it, there is more to being happy as an adult than being a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, a scientist. I'm not saying that those are bad jobs. They're great jobs. But there are other there are other avenues for success. I mean we live in a time when somebody can become popular on Twitch and make tons of money. Like, yep. Yep. Not everybody, right? But then not everybody becomes like a world-class musician either, or not everybody becomes like, you know, a big name. But these are ways that kids have avenues to, to make a living. That's not what counselors are talking about. Counselors are talking about, well, make sure to get these scores in because you need to apply for these 10 schools. Or like, do you even know how much it costs to apply to a college? Just to apply. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think I think guidance counseling is really poor. And then, like, the school board. That's funny you mentioned the school board. Like, have you ever? I'm sure both of you have listened to when they broadcast school board meetings late yeah. at night. I think it's Wednesdays. Yeah. It's like the most not useful thing for for anything relating to students. It's all about you know. Well, how can we increase the millage rate so that you know x number of schools and it's like how many school board members actually go to neighborhood schools all the time and talk to kids and like kids not parents not administrators not have something that you put on instagram and then some adults come mm. and your lackeys come and take photos like, mm. mm -hmm. talking, like how many times do you go to a school unannounced and then you just talk to kids in the classroom and that i think that that might lend that might lend some insights that they're perhaps lacking because they're like they're politicians to me they're, they're just soulful with it so yeah. <laughs> i think though that's that's important that's something that i feel like the arts do that people don't realize like i feel like one thing that i learned really quickly in my first year was that i was not just a band director and that i was going to be like a counselor and a mom mm. yeah because you see kids for four years yeah yeah and and band kids you know performing kids like i saw them every single day because sometimes it was even saturdays and sundays because it was a car wash it was a competition it was a show it was a whatever yeah. um and so those kids started really trusting me you know and those are the kids that are then asking like really intense questions or those are the kids that do hear hey you know what you're 18 you don't have to make this choice right now yeah like you don't have to make the choice of what you're going to be when you grow up and i would consistently tell them i'm like i want you all to know that at some point in my life Miss O is going to open a bakery cafe and I will not do music for however long it takes to set that up Yay. because that's something that I really want to do and they were just like what and I was like yeah like I'm not you know I still have time to be what I want to be when I grow up and so like if I still have time like you have so much time mm -hmm. you don't have to follow one track or whatever it's okay if you want to do like two or three different things and 
Right, 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 right. No, and it's the the one word that keeps popping up when y'all are speaking is imagination. It, we're coming into this neoliberal world. Services are being privatized. Everything that was in schools now, you have to go out into the community to find the resource. Capitalism, you know, the why, the, the why you have to pick a practical um, major that's going to help you contribute back to society all stems back to capitalism. But then what happens to the child's imagination? Because when I was in band, my, I don't know why, but I guess it was because we were just an eclectic group of just a bunch of nerds and weirdos and it was wonderful. But my imagination was off the charts. Like, I'm here, you know, the, the world is my oyster. And it wasn't until I had, I mean, I had those two mandatory cap advisor meetings that, I mean, they didn't do shit for me. I, you know, I've... I have a degree in like five different specializations. There was nothing that I benefited from going to seeing my counselor, seeing the cap advisor. But I know that with music, it fostered so much thought. And it was just like, a, okay, this is what's happening. And then all of a sudden it was snuffed out because you're no longer in the space. You're now like, quote unquote, because 18 is an adult. And I look back and I'm like, you're a freaking child at 18 what you don't know nothing you know nothing at 18 but now you have to go out into the world you have to work you can't think about those times where you could be eclectic and weird and you know explore your mind so where and and this is this may be just a rhetorical question or just just putting it out like are our kids losing their imaginations i mean but this is also uh, a group that you know i don't want to say they're tech natives because just recently having conversations with youth um at, at this um institute like these youth of new, from new york and they were saying it's like well people assume that because we're tech natives we weren't affected or impacted by the pandemic and going virtual like we weren't affected um you know sitting behind a screen all day and having to be on zoom for i don't know how many hours a day and and it's like why are people so against a child's imagination? Why are we trying to snuff out imagination? I don't think we're trying to snuff it out. I think we're just, a lot of people are trying to redirect. They call that the 21st century skills block, you know. Creativity is important, right? We need to teach creativity because when you're in a board meeting, you need to be that kind of person. Oh we won't We won't fund music classes. But, but we'll make our we'll make our English teachers and and our science teachers make lessons more creative. Mm. Um, I think that I, you, you you touched on it. I think when you said it's a neoliberal world, right? We we value the individual and what they can produce and how they have value through that. Mm. And like, I don't know. To me, when I teach music, I've never taught with the aim, and I can't speak for Vicky, but I never taught with the aim of like. You're not gonna be in the New York field, like it's fine. But just have some discipline to sit down and work with a bunch of other people to create something, right? Because that's what music teaches you. I mean, yes, it teaches you how to play an instrument, but not a single one of my students, as far as I know, is playing now. But they all remember the class because they met a group of like-minded individuals and worked together for a purpose. It's no different than being on a football team or, you know, being in a club, right? In that sense, I think I think music does that really well, and we don't put the emphasis on that. We're we're much more obsessed with putting buy, buying more expensive gadgets to put in a classroom because that's the thing that is going to somehow make learning more relevant. Mm. And the problem is that learning has long been irrelevant to a lot of kids, given the method and the medium that we're using. Like music is the reason a lot of kids stay in school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Electives are the reason a lot of kids stay in school, and when a lot of a lot of administrators and a lot of people in the Department of Education can honestly understand that, I think that then you'll see a renaissance of things. Like that. But until that point, the, the the quadrivium of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics are always going to be the the thing that we fund. Yeah, I think that um. I think it's very true that, you know, we definitely are trying to redirect the creativity into math and ELA and science and history and things like that. Um, I don't teach with the idea that everyone's going to be in the New York Phil. Um, I actually... 
that I don't expect them to be Mariah Carey. Um, I think at this point Mariah Carey is kind of irrelevant, but they kind of get it. <laughs> um, but I do tell them that because they don't they don't want to sing. They're shy. They're like, mm, I don't want to like sing alone. I'm like, neither do I. Like, I don't want to sing. I never want to sing. But here I am, and it's Tuesday, and it's 10:35, and we're singing. So let's go. Um, and they usually kind of jump on that because they're like, oh, why don't you want to sing? And I'm like, because I'm a drummer, dude. Like, I don't want to sing. But then they're kind of like, oh, okay. Well, I guess if you can do it, and I'm like, exactly. Um, but then I think the other thing I tell them is I'm like, no, I, I don't expect you to do this for the rest of your life. You know, I don't expect you to go be a professional musician. And I'm like, but I do expect that after this and after our conversation and after everything that we do in the music class today, that you're gonna see a subway performer and you're gonna realize the courage that it takes that person mm. to play this one little tune on the subway, on a bucket, on, you know, some cans, on their one guitar that they have with a missing string or whatever it is. And that you're gonna be like, you know what? That's actually really incredible. Um, whether you give them a dollar or not, you know? And that they'll appreciate that kind of stuff. I'm like, if you walk out of here and you don't get annoyed by the subway performer, you think it's interesting, or at the very least you give them credit, then I've done my job. You have become like a caring and well-rounded person. You understand what it took for this person to come out here and do this thing. You appreciate it, and you're still living your life independent of it. And mm -hmm. so I think that for them, is huge because I think that they do expect that they're going to go to math and they're going to do something with that math, right? And they're mm -hmm. going to get a result. And they go to ELA and they're going to do something with that ELA skill and they're going to get a result. And so with music, sometimes they feel like, well, what am I going to do if I learn how to sing this song? I'm like, you're going to appreciate the next time you hear someone singing, you know? Or you're going to sing along in the car, even if you think you won't, you probably will. You'll probably have a little bit better rhythm when you try to rap along with Bad Bunny or a Boogie or whoever else, you know? Um, Your ears will probably hurt after listening to Miley Cyrus singing acoustic. <laughs> Shit happens. But they, they think it's funny, but then they're just like, yeah. And then they'll come back and they'll tell me. They'll be like, oh, I saw someone playing in Central Park. And then and they'll tell me, like, I looked up the song and it's actually really cool what they were doing because they weren't playing it the way the original was mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And then, and then I can open up the door and show them, like, a taiko ensemble playing like a Panic at the Disco song and they'll be down for it because they're not like, ooh, what are those weird drums? They're like, oh wow, they're taking a traditional instrument and making it modern and this is really cool. Mm. Um, so I think that that's the creativity, that, that imagination, that ability to see that not everything has to be white and black, that it, that it can be like Colors. literally anything, yeah, yeah, anything you want it to be, that you can use whatever instrument, that you can use a chair, a bucket, whatever it is to make something. I think that's not something that they're going to get in math and ELA in history. Because yeah. everything is very structured there. And I think music is also structured, but it also definitely leaves the door open. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I agree with, with George saying that until, until school districts and the board and everything realizes that that creativity can help in other places, they won't prioritize it. You're right, you're right. And I was jamming to your students playing drum cadences on buckets. That was so awesome. That was very cool. That was so cool. I was like, how, how long did it take you to teach them the cadences? That was probably like two weeks. Right now we're doing two-week rotations with the kids, so it took them about two weeks to learn it. Um, it was a... It was quite the experience trying to talk to them about how they were going to drop the sticks when they did this thing the behind the shoulder. Yeah. They were like, they saw me do it, they were like, no, we can't do that. I'm like, first of all, you haven't even tried. Two, it's going to be like 70% dropping, 30% catching. And mm. then we're going to do it a hundred times and it's going to be 50-50. When we get to 50-50, we're killing it. And the kids realize, they're like, oh my god, I drop it like every other time. I'm like, great, we're at 50-50. And then by the end of the two weeks, you know, we're like maybe 80-20. We're still dropping, but it's fine. And, and I think them understanding like, oh, I'm gonna drop it. So I'm not gonna panic. I'm not gonna think that it's terrible. I'm like, it's very likely. It's likely I'll catch it, but it's very likely I'm gonna drop. That kind of let them be like, word, then let me try it 700 times. And if I catch it three times, I'm gonna like celebrate. Right, right, and yeah. I think that's just as applicable as teaching a kid the importance of like, you know, 
solving for X to me. Yeah. Like teaching a kid that if they can't succeed at something to work at it, like that's that's integral to music, right? It very much so, and and I do, and I want to keep you know elevating a lot of the 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 points that y'all made. We're talking kids being able to process mistakes and being okay with making mistakes, and they learn. Oh my gosh, we learned. We didn't die. Hashtag with you die, and discipline because you have to be disciplined. You have to be, you know, it's like that. Okay, I'm gonna make a mistake, but then learning how to be disciplined enough to get better at it. And if you don't get, you know superstardom you're good you tried and then that creativity so it's it's amazing just how impactful music can be because i don't know about y'all but I, when we were in high school my even now i get some crazy ass performance anxiety it's just like do 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 heart goes on another level but learning you know getting that extra boost of confidence especially when it's because it is a team you know george you've been using the the, the analogy that it's it's like a football team as just as important as a sports team but we have to listen to each other we don't you know it's not we're not all doing one play you know if we think about marching band we're all over the field we're all over the field and we're like this section's over here it's like oh my gosh the flags are going to kill us what's going on but at the end of the day we have to move together and we have to listen to each other because if not you know we've gotten scolded at but we managed to do it and so there's so many amazing things that come from music do y'all think that like music programs are still um just considered oh they're just doing music like have in your experience have folks actually done a deep dive as to the overall um impact that music um and these programs can have on uh, on the youth yeah there have been two huge longitudinal studies on like learning outcomes for kids uh, i believe there's some research out on that i haven't read but i believe there's some research out on uh what of pro-social skills that music classes have worked on at different age levels, and and I mean, I I, I know we we are singing we are we are ele- we are cogs in the system of music education. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think that there are a lot of things that music ed needs to modernize itself. Also, ooh, but, please uh, tell. But, but uh, well, I, I want to answer your question <laughs> first, I, and then I'll tell you that I think that. Music is a lot of things for a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. I, like, on the one hand, not every kid is going to be somehow like if a kid has performance anxiety, music won't necessarily solve that mm-hmm. because that's that's a function of how the teacher connects with that kid and what kind of you know good mental health habits is that teacher working through with that kid, right? Um, but it can certainly force students that may never otherwise have that to get into those shoes, maybe to get them out of that comfort zone and address some of that, or at least face it. Um, you know, when we talk about imparting social skills, I don't know about you, I liked math when I was in school, and I, and I ended up choosing to study more of it after school, but math never ever imparted me with these skills to, you know, stand in front of a group of people and talk. I still sometimes struggle with that today, with adults, not with children, children don't freak me out. But, like, like, that's something that any kind of performing class, period, doesn't have to be just music, really forces you to kind of into that role and forces you to face that demon early on, I think. Um, discipline is something that can be done in a lot of different ways and a lot of different subjects. I just I just chose to like doing it with music, right? But I think that it's kind of like, it's kind of like in the if you're like a personal trainer and you're trying to get somebody that maybe has never never exercised before getting them to kind of feel like they're making progress like you might not see a lot of progress after a while but it's like the incremental steps i feel like music makes that very tangible mm. right when they can't play a scale or they can't play a section and then they i i i've, I've done this in class where the kids are like yeah we can't play that and i'm like okay well then we're gonna do it 10 times now like and they do it 10 times and then it's like a little better and then i go one by one and i have each of them play it after those 10 times and it's like okay now imagine if you chose to do that two times this week and then next week you chose to do it three times you're gonna see that progress so i think i mean you could argue that a lot of other stuff but but to me the the, the really big benefit is really it's no different than being in, in a society or in a group of like-minded people i think that does wonders for students yeah. because math class is not like that Everybody has to take math. Everybody has to take reading. 
Like you're in groups with with all kinds of people. Music is something that gener generally people elect to all be in, and that's that's to me the biggest benefit of music class. Right, 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 right. And it could be physically exhausting. You talk about personal training. If y'all have never carried a horn, it doesn't matter what size the horn, because after, what is it, two or three hours of marching in the sun, it'll hurt, and your shoulders are going to gonna let you know that it hurts. But, George, you were talking about, um, you know, we y'all mentioned more of, like, okay, counselors need to... They need an upgrade. We need, we need an upgrade in our counseling, and so you were mentioning that we may need an we need an upgrade in our music education, which I do want to um, explore uh, more, and maybe uh, we can. Because there was another question that I wanted to ask, as far as if y'all have done a little bit more um, work along the lines of like abolitionist teaching and decolonizing um, school systems, and so. That could be that could be you know that could be a, a second other question, but let's talk about how music education can 2.0, 3.0. What I don't know what century we're in, what century of music started, but we're, we're we're past. How many music programs in Dave County teach kids to use a digital audio workstation? How many how many music programs? Well, they definitely do don't count. Dave County. But I'll, I'll tell you that I did it in Dade County. Oh, yes. I will tell you that I left Dade County because I didn't think that I was in the same... This is going to sound arrogant as hell, but I didn't think that I was doing the same thing as everybody else. Oh, it's probably weren't. True. And I didn't want that. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing one thing that I, that I was going to say that, you know, George said earlier that normally kids choose to be in band. And they are, like, gung-ho about it. They want to do it, all that stuff. Um, my first year, I had an entire section of band and none of those kids chose it. It was a, all 30 something of these kids are in here because they gotta be somewhere and whatever, give them an A, they show up. And I was like, word, I'm passing out mouthpieces, who wants to play trumpet? And they were like, no, you don't, I don't you're new here. Like, you don't get it. <laughs> so I had, I had a whole conversation with them. I was like, no, we're doing music somehow, some way. So we talked about, would you want to do music appreciation? We'll start with something simple. You bring me a song, I'll tell you history about it, or mm. I'll tell you on how history got there. Mm -hmm. And we tried that. Somebody brought in like a reggaeton song, and I was like, "Cool." So here's how this happened. And I went all the way back to like work songs, and like we were, we walked all the way up. Some kids were like, "Whoa," and some kids were like, "This shit sucks. It's history part two. <laughs> I was like, "Well," you know. So they were like, "No, we don't want to do this." Um, and so then we talked about maybe making it like. Uh, like a poetry writing kind of class, and then I would create some kind of beat for them if they wanted to make it a rap thing, or if they wanted to just do like whatever. Uh, they weren't into that because they, they still had to perform, and they didn't want to get in front of the class to do that. Mm. And then the last thing was I realized that the school had given everybody tablets. And I was like, everyone has tech. Everyone get to, and I think at the time, I tried getting them onto like audio, station audio something i don't know i don't remember because no, no. um, they had pc tablets and uh, yeah, we overloaded the wi-fi <laughs> nope. nobody's thing could work and i was like okay well what am i gonna do so i go and i asked the the school that i worked at had like a magnet for uh technology they had an itech magnet so i was like hey do you have an empty classroom at this time that i could use um and they had like IMAX in there. And they're like, yeah, we never use that classroom right over there. What the hell? IMAX has GarageBand on it. Amazing. And whatever. Long story short, the kids dubbed it Mixtape 101. It was hysterical and fun. And they learned how to make their own ringtone. They learned how to score a silent Superman uh, cartoon. And then they eventually had like a music business pro uh, project where they had to have you know, a budget and a manager and they could like get their friends to do a feature on their song but they had to pay them and they had to understand royalties and like, it was a whole thing. Um, they liked it so much that the second year we had two sections of music tech because the kids were into it. And otherwise that would have just been a class where all those kids hated band and hated the idea of going to band. Um, and so I think that, I think that, yeah, I think that you're right. The Miami-Dade County is not necessarily doing that. Um, but that if, they were to update that even as far as like recording the symphonic band kids having them hear it back having them critique themselves and figure out 
why they sound that way, what they can do to fix it, right? Um, or having themselves, like them go into a room and record a solo and then like remixing their solo. Mm. Or doing like some... I mean, there are kids that make beats already yeah. in like inner city neighborhoods for like, like top artists, and it's like, do you realize that? Are you? Are you? Has the school board realized that? No, of course not. And I remember when I was at UM, it was a long time ago now, but when I was at UM, we had a, a private school teacher come in. I, I gotta be careful because he might still be teaching. In the county, <laughs> but um, I have a small audience, don't worry. I I don't remember the school. I just remember it was a private school, and he. Uh, he was saying that he teaches a tech class and he was like the only example of that and i'm like so a private school is the only school that somehow can afford to get music technology because the only people as far in my high school that dealt with any kind of audio equipment were the like the the, the theater techies so like the mm. people that did lighting and worked the soundboard and worked the, the sound booth and the for the musicals and stuff like there was no tech class not really and there was no space in our school that apparently anybody could. They had like space for like iPrep, which was a class where they stuck bits of magnets where they stuck kids and and rooms to do their regular classwork on a computer in the classroom. What the hell? And they had a teacher that was like there, but that teacher didn't teach that subject. They just like it was like imagine like the you know like when substitutes learn enough and they stick them all in like the auditorium. It was not that size, but basically that. Holy and, shit! And that was a magnet, like. So why not just turn that into like music technology? And every kid has a tablet, like they've got them. You can, you can do something like that, but you know, in true Dade County fashion, they're gonna buy the worst equipment. They're gonna spend a lot of money on stuff that doesn't work and then it's gonna fail. So like, that's that's my conundrum with that. I, I think the only other school that has anything close to what I would call a modern music class, and I could be wrong, because there, there, may, there may be other stuff in the district, I don't know, but is uh, Miami Beach, which has their rock ensemble. Which is like mm. the only other school that has something that is close, and that was the class started in 1972. So, like, Shit. let's 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 be honest and call it what it is. It's a it's a modern class in the sense that, like, you know, yeah, that Apollo 11 could be modern. So, you know, like, you know, <laughs> I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in just to say the same thing. Yeah, I think that modern ensembles is another thing. I think that you know, um, I know that like cultural responsive is like a buzzword now mm. or whatever mm. but i think that we're, we're not paying attention to what the kids can bring right mm. like we're not we're not adding that already um i think that that's that's something that i tried doing like with the jazz band that i had like i mean it was a ragtag group it was probably like six of them like it wasn't a real jazz band because it wasn't a big band right we couldn't mm. go to solo and ensemble right. we couldn't perform any of those things right we weren't doing anything crazy but they played a ska song uh for the holiday show i had like four or five girls in chorus who like really wanted to perform but like nobody else did and i remember having them just do vocals over like the christmas jazz tunes and it was like people freaked out and i was like yeah this is a band this is a pop band this is every pop ensemble you hear on the radio it's just a live band with vocals mm. life-changing but it was just something that people like freaked out about and um and that's something that i talk about all the time i'm like we should have something as simple as like a diva ensemble a bunch of people who just want to play the music of beyonce the music of destiny's child the music of aretha the music of whatever and kids who can handle doing that thing you know what i mean like having your your top players join people who want to sing these things um and that would be i mean you would have that class filled so much faster than jazz band too yeah <laughs> okay yeah Oh, I just saw Jazz Band 2 listed on a course list and just like, ah, damn. We don't meet kids where they're at. <laughs> no, I agree. No, I we do not. The best compliment I ever got at Miami-Dade County Public Schools was from a assistant principal who was retiring in my like first year. Um, I had the band, the pep band, who again was like 12 kids. Um, I had the pep band play The Butt, um, which is like an H HBCU, um, like a fanfare pep rally type thing. 
and it was just fun. It was just super fun. And he just came up to me at one point. It was for his going away thing, and he came up to me and he's like, "The band hasn't sounded like this for forever." He's like, "This is just this is fun." Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't pick it. I had the kids. I had the kids go on YouTube. Wow. Listen to Pep songs that they liked. They came back. They were like, we kind of learned this one time, but we couldn't do it. And I was like, great, let's do it now. Wow. And they did it. And then the next year we did Danza Kuluro, and everyone at the school freaked out. And like the band kids, like people knew the band kids now because they played Danza Kuluro at the pep rally. Dang, you got them status. Okay, like, okay. It doesn't, always, it doesn't always have to be the Hey song, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> I forgot what it. I forgot what it's called now uh, at Gables, but it was called Hawk Rock. At, it's it's North Dade. Do we know? What yeah, it's, it's North. Yeah, yeah. It's North Dade. It's it's North Dade. I don't remember what it was called at at Gables. Yeah. It's a UM fight song, I think. Oh my, of course it is. Like, if it was at Gables, then it was definitely a UM fight song. Had a bit of an obsession there. Okay, but um, yeah, even like even marching bands, like they yeah. need to be updated as well. I, I sure do. Fun. Sure do. For tradition and the discipline, and I will never forget being in a crazy, tight, and disgustingly hot and sweaty huddle, screaming with you guys, getting <laughs> right on the bus. <laughs> I, I will never forget that. That was quite the experience. And so traditions, I believe in them, but also I think that we should meet the kids where they're at. Yeah, I mean, but even when we were younger, um, I remember Matt went on a, a like a crusade to find pop music. But granted, you know, Matt was also like a fifty-year-old trapped in a seventeen-year-old's body, so it was you know, it was a mixture of stuff. Yeah. But even then, like you know, I remember uh, trying to. Or was it a cadence um, from from the high that we were just trying to replicate? And there's so m- and everything that you're speaking to is like. I saw it when we were in band and it's amazing how um, when you are speaking about it it's like yeah it's still hella relevant we did well because you know our band director listened to the students you know our band director listened to our our drum major so and it's amazing um, when you talk about the results of what would happen if we just listen to our youth what what would happen if we the quote-unquote intelligent know-it-all adults because you know adultism is it, it oh my god adulting is bullshit it's a trap people are just like i have kids call telling me it's like oh my god but why do i got to do this because why do i have to get a job and this and the other and i'm sitting there just like um well, you don't have to <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but you know the, but fun fact if you're, if you're 18 and over and you age out of foster care you need to be in quote unquote approved programs so you have to be in some sort of vocational program you have to be in some sort of college setting or you have to be and or you're working so because they want contributing members of society so i have to sit there and you know i have youth that i want to be a rapper i want to do this and the other and i'm like you could totally do that you could totally do that however comma not even however comma i need you to pause real quick because me knowing what this group of adults is expecting from you just so that you can survive and meet and and be able to afford your basic needs you need to meet this this criteria but i'm i'm not telling that you can't do your dreams it's usually like a conversation happens so you can double major you can shoot your shot it's not you know depending on what school you go to it's not that hard but there are certain criteria there are certain expectations that folks are going to have from you when you graduate uh unfortunately uh everything is rooted in the money so you're gonna have to figure out a way how to keep a roof over your head but that doesn't necessarily mean that you stop your passion so i have to have that conversation so often but um would y'all and Vic, you're teaching at a, at a charter right now and george where are you you're in in, in grad school getting your dna I'm in grad school working toward my doctorate in, in music yet. Woot woot. Sometimes, depending on what I'm asked to do, I sometimes go to, to schools in South Central, but it's not this semester and the last semester, obviously last semester, no. But um, this this uh, past year, it hasn't. I've been kind of disconnected from the classrooms. Well, I want to, so, man, I, yeah, no, because, you know, the forced labor of college students and cheap labor, <laughs> if, if you want to look into unionizing, uh, grad students are unionizing, but anyway, I'm pretty sure you can, because New York, I think it was NYU actually just got, uh, 
the union approved, right? They just got the union approved, or they passed they, some milestone. They, yeah, they've been they've been doing it, and I think at Columbia they're doing it as well. They started recently. We're also trying to do it at certain universities, and it's kind of uh, working. It's kind of not. We're trying to. We're in the middle of recruitment, but yes, yes, we're trying to. We're trying to make things happen. But um, so would y'all consider going back to? the public school setting whether it be in a heartbeat yeah without a question absolutely. i wouldn't yeah exactly i wouldn't think about it um i'll tell you that the reason that um that i i left miami was mostly because i think that that school system or at least the school that i was at and i think that what being a band director means in miami mm. um is not for me mm. so I think that that's just not the job that i actually Mm. I would happily go into a middle school program. Um, I would happily feed into a high school. Um, or I would happily go in and be a, a general music or instrumental music teacher. But I think that the band part of life in Miami is almost as, ugh, I don't know, almost as dependent as the like uh, state tests mm. for ELA. I think that band is, is very like, your program is only successful if you're getting a certain amount, like a certain kind of scores, or if you're doing these competitions, or if you're whatever. It's all very performance. Very yeah. That's not. That's not what I necessarily have fun doing, or that's not what I want to do with kids. Like I'm not trying to get them to just score really high. I'm trying to get them to like love and appreciate music. You know. Um, a concept. Yeah, and use it to, to express themselves. So I think that if I had the opportunity to do that without having the stress of going to district assessments and stuff like that, I would absolutely jump back into it. I think that, unfortunately, Miami, though, is, is very focused on that. Um, and I don't... Yeah, I don't... Uh, I don't know, I don't subscribe to that, so I think that that's, that's different. I've, I've learned that up here in New York, it's very different. You know, there are different types of... Yes. Types of jobs. Yes. Um, so I think that you know, obviously, I I was only supposed to be up here for two years, and I'm now going on year four. So I think that you know that pretty makes that pretty much makes it clear. I I would move to a different program, but I wouldn't move back to being like a marching band director mm. unless unless it came with a little bit more autonomy and a little bit more freedom to talk to kids about other stuff because it's just. Playing, playing the rep over and over and, you know, stressing them out about making a certain score and, mm -hmm. like, you know, knowing that the instruments are moldy or falling apart and that they're held together with tape and that the kids are not going to be in tune all the time, you know, and all of that kind of stuff, just, it's too much. And it, it's not good for the kids and, no. you know, the same way that state tests are not good for kids and, I don't know, they don't, they don't necessarily learn the same that they could learn if they if they were doing something else if they were putting their energy elsewhere well, that's heartbreaking that really is heartbreaking i was doing um i had mentioned to you that i was diving into this participatory action research um and i did this uh institute well this intensive and it's based out of new york and when i was when i was finding out some of the, the organizing and some of the stuff that's happening in, in in the city i was just like what the hell? I'm like looking at plane tickets. Like, okay, so I need to. How can I replicate this in Miami? Because we're a hot fucking mess. Florida is a hot fucking mess. It's trickling down. I mean, have you seen some of the legislations that have been signed? Like, our, our governor signed on day one banning transgender. Was it? Was a transgender youth participation in in female sports? Sports, yeah. And then cutting funding from poll survivors to get mental health services. It's just like, yeah, it's it is intense. I'll tell you that, like, my uh, middle school general music classroom, like, there probably a month ago, we were talking about the music of like South Asia, we were talking about like Indian culture, uh, we were talking about. A specific artist that talks a lot about in her music about like gender liberation mm. and then we also you know we talked about what that means and kids immediately jump to like oh that women can do the same thing as men 
And so we talked a lot about that, and then I was like, oh, and how can we jump to women can do the same thing as men? Why can't men do the same thing as women? Ooh, she did that. She did that. Yeah, okay, that like, part. Out and, and then it was finally like, oh, yeah, like, you know, boys can't wear makeup, or boys can't do this, or whatever. That's so it was It was interesting to have that conversation with middle schoolers, because yeah. they're at the moment where they really start digging their heels in and what they truly believe or, or the way that they kind of want to like be seen and all that kind of thing. And, and that's not something that like I had the space to do hmm. um, in Florida. And not that I didn't see enough kids. I was seeing like 300 and something kids. Right. Um, but I was not given like the time of day to do that because right. it was a lot of like, you have to produce something towards the end. Like, there has to be a show, there has to be a pep rally, there has to be a whatever. Bottom That's line. fun. It's definitely fun. But it, like, you know, like George said, like, so then when do they get to use music tech? When do they get to be part of, like, the, the relevant music that's happening today? And the answer is that they don't. They have to do that in other things outside of school, which is antithetical to, to like, the idea that school should help develop a kid to have but like if we're talking very, uh, very results oriented, yeah. I say that. Oh, sorry. I'm no, sorry. you're good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I just wanted to say very briefly that I didn't go to to grad school again because I wanted to leave it. I don't feel like research is what I enjoyed doing. Mm. I just did it because I wanted to contribute to the field in a different way, and it's okay. always been a bucket list thing of mine. I never saw this as like the ticket to getting out of public school teaching because public school teaching is like it's what fulfills me. And the, I hate saying that because it sounds like such a kumbaya thing. No, but it's, like, it's it's the reality. Like that's that's what I love doing. And if if I were to go to higher ed, it would never be in a without some kind of significant component that involved me working with schools. Like that's I can't imagine that life being fulfilling. Now. Miami-Dade County, that's a different question mm. because I agree with Vicky that I feel like the district is so wrong, wrong-headed, headed in the wrong direction for what I think music should be. Yeah. We, like, forget curricular change. Like, let's pretend that their curriculum was perfect, mm -hmm. um, which is not. Uh, they, we're just not in the service of equitable music for kids. Mm. Right? Like, Equitable music is where every school should have the abilities to have a successful music program. Whatever, let's pretend that every school had the perfect music program for the perfect kids. We're a totally socially just world, right? But we don't have that in yeah. Dade County because the schools that have are not funny. Funny that this is the weird thing. I just had a conversation with colleagues about this and I, and I wrote something on it. Like, the schools that have in Dade County are not always the private schools. In fact, the private school music programs on the whole are not very good. Mm. They may have great equipment, but they're not producing. Because Dade County has put certain schools in positions of success. Mm. And I, I don't know how how specific I want to get with that because I still respect a lot of the people that work there. Yeah. And, but the fact of the matter is we that system, that ed system, exists in a world where like, well, we're going to put these schools and promotional materials and we're going to say we're doing such a great job look at music ed in this county but we're also not going to go to citrus grove middle school because oh. why why like let's go to this other school you know we're not going to go to um like miami central because that's not like we're going to go to these specific schools because that's where we have placed programs in a way that they can succeed and it has been at the cost of equitable music education across the board. And I'm not saying that there are not hardworking teachers at every one of those schools, but at the end of the day, your job is predicated on how many kids you have in a classroom. That's the only way you can keep full time, right? Or you take on other classes, which is what a lot of teachers end up doing. They teach other classes, some of which aren't even music. Mm. Um, and when you can't get kids to go to your school or you have kids that are actively discouraged from going to your school because, you know, well, you're not going to succeed in that music program. Why don't you just go to this other school that has, you know, 150 kids in the program? Like, I had a 150. I had a good, I had a good string program at, a, like, not, not a magnet school, but I was super blessed. Man. I didn't have 150 kids in the program, but the school down the street did, you know? And when I'm trying to get kids to go to my school, like, you know that at MPAs, I had to play after that school every year? 
Wait, like, so MPAs for the audience? Uh, 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 the, the the music performances that the like you know we went to FBA and mm-hmm. at, at Coral Reef I think is where we did it. Yeah, assessment. Um, <laughs> yeah, like like I had to play after that school every year. Mm. Like, so imagine if I'm a judge coming from Dade County, and that, let's not even talk about the fact that somehow MPAs are seen as the validating factor. Let's just ignore <laughs> that for a second. Like. I'm a judge coming from this county. Wow, that school just played the William Tell Overture, like the legit overture. They had four horns. They had like a full percussion. Four version. horns? Shit, yeah, okay. Yeah, like <laughs> bassoons, they had oboes. Like, oh my gosh, they have so many people on stage. And now I got 20 kids going on stage after that. So for the audience, um, when you have four French horns, and you have a high school with a freaking bassoon on the, on the stage, that, that, that's big, that's big. I never, I didn't play with a bassoonist until I got to college, so a bassoonist in high school is, 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 big, is a big deal. So those resources are not spread out equitably. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm speaking here not just in enrollment figures, I'm talking about like, when a school is new or designated as a magnet school, you know, depending on how many squeaky wheels you've got, you can get something really sweet set up. That doesn't mean that magnet solves everything. I have right. people that worked at magnet schools who didn't get, excuse me, to do a lot. But to me, the big players that have a lot in the county are, are really the ones that the county sets up for success, and everybody else just kind of has to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think that that's the thing that drove me away the most. Like I had the opportunity to stay in the county and go to grad school there, and I actively chose not to because gotcha. I did not like. That is one of, to me, that is one of the most appalling things about Dade County is that we see like I, I asked teachers this. I had a roundtable and I asked teachers this, and the overwhelming topic was, I, one of the questions I asked was, if a kid is coming from a, a low SES school, mm-hmm. you know, like, like you know, the. Whatever school you think of that's like a low SES program, um, how can they compete and get into a top music school? That's the question I asked. How can they do that? And the answer was they don't because they can't. How can they? And when that's the answer, there's a problem, mm. I think. Anyway, sorry. I didn't no, really want to take No, you're good. You're good. I want to add to that that like, yeah. yeah, the resources are not spread out equally or equitably or anything like that. They're definitely allocated to the people who are providing results. It's very production related. Um, but I think that also production is, and it's, I mean, I'm just, I'm just gonna say, it's very racially divided. Like our school districts are so segregated that it's so blatantly obvious it's like, but um, I remember in middle school, so I went to Horace Mann Middle School. Hey, okay. It is in yeah. yeah. And so I went there and I remember marching in the Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Parade and seeing Miami Central, seeing Edison, seeing all those people. And I remember being like, wow, this is so cool because like marching bands, right? Yeah. And then I remember getting to Gables and being like, oh, this is really different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like no one really said anything either way. And I was like, cool, I guess this is just the way Gables says it, whatever. Um, but then I do remember, you know, having the conversation with my high school kids once it was my turn to go to FBA or to see parades or to do whatever, where they'd be like, why do they do it like that? Or like, why are there instruments like on like a strap instead of a harness? And I'd be yeah. like, well, first of all, that's a very different style of marching band, yeah. right? It is not better or worse. It is a different style because kids were also kind of like, wow, they're like not that good or like, oh, it just like seems sloppy. And I'm like, okay, so obviously you don't, like understand that marching band doesn't always have to be this very like precise and like specific militaristic type thing that it can just be very um, like fun and like just a little bit more loose, right? It can have more soul to it. It doesn't have to be this just like what's on the paper, right? Um, And then I think that that's something that like at FBA, you know, whether it's concert or not, I think that that's something that comes out. I think that you know, some schools, like maybe Northwestern, will get superiors. But then probably Edison won't. Right. And it's kind of like, why not? Is it because Northwestern has like a 150-person band that and mean. Northwestern doesn't? <laughs> that, that sucks. You shouldn't do that, yeah. right? And also it's like, okay, but so even though Northwestern is getting superiors and they're being awesome, are they playing on decades-old instruments? Mm. When, you know, like Coral Park or whoever else, they're playing on like brand-new 
Jupiter trumpets or Yamahas or whatever. It's like, cool. So why is the district putting the money that way? And it's, you know, it is that. It's for, well, look how good our music ed is. Yeah. Um, and, and I wouldn't say that Northwestern's music ed is any worse than Coral Parks or anything like that, but the money's going in one direction. Right, right, right. I, I agree with George. I definitely, I didn't even apply to schools in in Miami. That's hard. That's, it really I, is. I immediately was like, in at the beginning of year two, I was like, I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm going to grad school. And I just went up north. Applied in Boston, applied in New York, got in and was just like, let me get the hell out of here. Yeah, no, I, I feel that um, a thousand, a thousand percent, everything that y'all just said. Yeah, um, listen to the youth, more equitable practices across the county. We have a long way to go. And yeah, trust me, when it comes to graduate school, Miami was, it was very hard to stay. It was very hard to stay. So, and those are decisions that we have to make. It's not that we don't love um, the youth that we work with. It doesn't mean that we, you know, care less. It's so effing toxic (laughs) that it's like, okay, so... how are we gonna look at? I have to be able to operate too, you know, in order for me to work with these kids. So, yeah, oh my gosh, um, yeah, that's yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And unfortunately, that is all for our episode. Thank you to my amazing guest slash family for having this conversation with me. Y'all are amazing. I miss you so much. If I have kids in the future, I wish that they have the opportunity. I'll fly them to you. They probably spend the summers with y'all. <laughs> but I make them work. Uh, but yeah, y'all are amazing. I I'm hoping that in the future more educators can learn from y'all because it, it, all, all y'all dropped a lot of really great um, wisdom in this conversation, and I really hope that we can you know plant seeds um in the future so but as always this is thoughts from the 305 i'm your host andy laneda take it easy